0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Welcome to FEC Delray. This morning It's a good day to be in the Lord's house. Amen. That's what you expect from Alabama pastor to say, right? Amen. (laughs) So good morning to you. Um, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I know that I did for sure. Um, But speaking of Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving is one of America's favorite holidays for obvious reasons, right? We eat, we're off work, we spend time with family, and it's a good time had by all. But it seems like Thanksgiving has become so, and modern culture has been so focused on on certain things. For example, Macy's Day Parade. When you say Thanksgiving, you immediately think of Turkey. You think of Macy's Day Parade. You think of the Dallas Cowboys football game. It's been so commercialized almost. And it seems fewer and fewer Americans are setting aside a day that we go back to God and we thank Him for the many blessings that He's given us. You know, our forefathers, they had a whole different meaning for what Thanksgiving was. They came over here as separatists from the Church of England, and they came over here to establish a new land for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Don't let the revisionists tell you something different that are rewriting our history books. Our forefathers were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came over here and they signed the Mayflower Compact, which their signatures indicated that they were coming over here to establish this new colony for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. It's sad, but much of secularization of America has done away with that original meaning of thanksgiving. No longer do Americans see their existence on this soil for the glory of God and the, and, and the advancement of the Christian faith. They don't see it like that anymore. And the truth is, if anyone should be given thanks to God, it's us who live in the, in the United States of America. I mean, take a look around. Look at the lives that you have. The freedoms that you have. All of you have power, electricity. We have water. We have long life expectancies. We have a military that protects us. If you call the police right now, they're going to come. If you call an ambulance, if you have an emergency, they're going to come. They might charge you, but they're, they're going to keep you alive. <laughs> Look where you live. You have clean air. It's, it's amazing. And we have access to the truth of Jesus. Within 50 miles of this location, I would say there's probably a thousand Bible preaching churches that preach the truth. We have the internet. We can learn. We can study. We can do anything that we want to do. We are some of the most fortunate and blessed people in the world. You know, I'm just so thankful to God for all that he's done for me, for this opportunity to preach to you this morning. I'm just so blown away. Steve says it often, but I can't believe we get to be a part of this. God's church, to get to preach for God, to get to come into his house and honor him just so thankful. Um, Speaking of being thankful, our text really illustrates someone who is very thankful today in Luke. Um, it It illustrates this point very well, as Luke is the only gospel writer of this story, but it's a man with leprosy. Jesus, let me set the context for where we are in Luke. We've been in Acts for quite a while, so let me set the context. Jesus is coming to the end of his earthly ministry. He's on the way to Jerusalem one last time. Um, he's got his band of followers with him, and he is coming through an area between Samaria and Galilee. And as he goes, he, he comes, he encounters these 10 lepers who are screaming out help from a distance. And that's where we pick up in our text this morning as, as we learn about an encounter that Jesus had with this, these lepers. Um, the title of this sermon is 10% return, a 10% percent return. So if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 will be in verses 11 through 19. If you'll read with me from the word of the Lord. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. He was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Okay, so you can see Jesus as he walks between Samaria and Galilee in this land on his ten towns. You can see these lepers as they're crying out. But what is leprosy? Leprosy, I preached on it at Youth Encounter. It was a different um, experience with leprosy. But leprosy is a terrible disease of the flesh. It eats away at your body. It's literally your skin is rotting sores are coming up all over your body and you're rotting away. Um, It's a prolonged disease. It's extremely contagious. If you were to get leprosy, you're immediately an outcast of society. Nobody can be around you. you. If you have a business, your business is over. You're no longer allowed to conduct business. Your wife can't touch you. Your kids can't be around you. Nobody can be around you. You're separated from everybody on the outskirts of town and you have to beg. Nobody really even feels sorry for you because leprosy at this time was seen as a curse from God. God had cursed them because they had done something. They must have done something wrong to wrong God. So nobody even feels sorry for you. You're on the outskirts of town. Your flesh is eating away. You've lost your family. You've lost all your belongings. You've lost your career. And you're just begging. You've ripped your clothes because that's what Leviticus and Numbers spelled out for people who had leprosy. You had to... um, Rip your clothes so that everyone could see your sores, so they knew you had leprosy. If anyone came about around you, you had to cry, unclean, unclean. And not only that, you really you stink too. <laughs> if that doesn't make it any worse, you're on the outskirts of town and you stink. Nobody feels sorry for you, you stink, you've lost everything in your life and you're on the outside of the world, begging. And that's what we see in this text as Jesus walks through. And the first point that we see is this cry for help cry for help. These men, they scream. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It's important that they, they didn't call him Messiah. They didn't call him Lord. They didn't call him Son of David. They called him Master. And in, a, in a literal sense, what they were really saying is, hey, we know you're a miracle worker. We know you're a miracle worker. We don't, they're not saying, hey, you're the God of the universe. Hey, we know you're a miracle worker. Come save us. Help us. We have no other hope Please help us. They were humbling themselves before someone who was more powerful than them. Obviously, you can understand why they was crying, Have mercy on us. There was no help. There was no hope for them as they were on the outskirts of town. They're in dire pain with no hope. So you see that cry for help. What does Jesus do when he sees these people? He's by no means obligated to do anything to these people, but what does he do? He gives them a command of hope. A command of hope in verse 14. He says, show yourselves to the priests. So Jesus hears their cry for mercy and he grants it, but he puts their faith in his healing ability to the test by telling them, go show yourselves to the priests. So in, in, in this time, if you had leprosy, it was the priests who declared you unclean. He's the one that said, hey, that man's got leprosy outskirts of town. So it was the priest that would have to be the one that was gonna allow you to come back into society and say, hey, he's ceremonially clean, he's good, he can go back to society. And what does Jesus say? He says, go show yourselves to the priests. So you can picture these guys um, going to Jesus. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And it says in the text, as they went, they were cleansed. So he's putting their faith to the test, because when they began walking, they were lepers. But as they went they became clean. So you can see these men, you know, they weren't healed right away. They had to take an act of faith to go to the priest, and they all took steps of obedience to do that. They started going to the priest, and then you can just see them as they realize that they're getting healed on their way to these priests. And you know, they're screaming, and they're shouting, and they're just so happy because they realize what's happened. Jesus has healed them. No longer do they have to be on the outskirts begging. No longer do they have to be in physical pain and suffering. No longer do they have to worry about anything anymore. They can finally go back to to their families they can go back to their businesses they can go back to their lives so you see that command of hope as jesus sends them to go see the priest you see their cry for help you see that command of hope but then you see a confession of healing you see 10 men believe that jesus could physically heal All ten believed that Jesus could heal their leprosy. They all showed that by taking the steps of obedience to go to the priests. But one believed that Jesus could spiritually heal as well. All ten were cleansed of their leprosy. But one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, too, (laughs) The Samaritan, he was not a, a typical Jew. He was probably uncircumcised. He wasn't a guy that goes to the synagogue. He didn't probably eat the right things or do the right things, but he's the one that went back and fell at Jesus' feet and thanked him for what he's done. We see the fact that this foreigner, Jesus asked this revealing question. He says, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Then he says, hey, this is the only one that's going to come back and thank me. Is this foreigner? Not only is Jesus being rejected by the Jewish leaders at this time, but it shows the contrast between the acceptance of grace and mercy of the Jewish people versus the Samaritans. Only one was made well. The Samaritan man, because he went back and what distinguishes him for the rest of them is he realized who God was, who Jesus was. He didn't just see him as a miracle worker. He saw him as somebody sent from God. He realized who Jesus is, what he had done, and he thanked them. And he thanked them that he had been healed, and he he was lost, but now he was found. He was sick, but now he was well. All those things were true, but he also realized that Jesus was the Son of God, and he fell at his feet on his face, and he thanked Him. Some of us need to go back to Jesus' feet and thank him. And I love what Jesus asked, this very revealing question. This is going to hit home right here. Jesus asked this question, where are the nine? I healed 10 of you guys. Where are the nine? I believe he's still asking that same question today, even amongst us Christians. He's got to be asking the same question. When he hears some of our prayer lives, and and it's like we always just go to him when we have a problem, and he wants to hear our problems. But who is Jesus to you? Is he somebody you just go to whenever you have a problem? Is he somebody you try to stay on good terms with so you can you know you can make it through this life? Is it you just want to get a little bit of Christianity? Is he somebody that you treat like an insurance policy that you never that you hope you never need? The question remains relevant today. Where are the nine? Where are the multitudes of converted believers who have experienced His touch, His restoration, His love, His salvation, who know Jesus? Where are they? They know His mercy. They know His grace. They know His power. Where are the nine? You know, I've often said, well, I've often heard other pastors say, and now that I see it in my own practical life is, One of the biggest problems with Christianity is we've gotten past our salvation. Looking at numbers, everyone here knows I love numbers, but look at these numbers. This is among church membership in the the U.S. This is about 800,000 in this study. People who claim to be church members, 10% never go be members. 40% never give a dollar a year. 70% 70% never give to missions, 75% never engage in church activity, 80% never attend prayer meetings, and 95% never win a soul to Christ. And you could say those numbers are biased. 800,000 isn't a big sample set, but that's a multitude of Christians who are showing that they, that they forgot their salvation. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first got saved, that feeling when God came into your life? When he saved you, you were talking about it. You were excited about it. You were at church every single day. You were doing the things of God every day. You were praying every day, that fire that you had for God. You know, a fire goes out if you don't put, put any fuel on it, right? Some of us have lost our, our fire. And that brings me to, to, to a major point that I want you to know is our thankfulness must lead to action. Those numbers show among church members, these church members, their thankfulness, they have gotten past their salvation. They're not thankful anymore. And not being thankful is one thing, but it must lead to action. Your life can't be the same anymore. Too many of us don't show ourselves thankful to Jesus anymore. You say, well, how do we do that? You know, I'm at church every Sunday. I come in here and I sit in the pew and I'm nice to people and I smile. Let me tell you something, that's not enough. God's calling you to do more. And I'm gonna tell you these basic principles and you're gonna say, wow, that sounds like a basic preaching sermon. But on your um, experience for deeper truth, how about we go back to the basics and get good at those first? So how do we show that we're thankful to Jesus? Number one, you gotta spend time with him in his word. How much greater of a thank you can you give Jesus than reading what pleases the God of the universe? How can you you show them? How do you know how to please them if you don't know what pleases them? You're not spending time with them. You're not learning what he wants from you because you're too busy on your cell phones. The average person, regardless of demographics, I'm sure it's worse for millennials, but the average person, regardless of demographics, three and a half hours a day on their phone. We worship our phones. We We don't read the Bible anymore. We can't defend our faith because we don't even know what the Bible says. We have to go back and we have to spend time with Jesus, making sure that we know what pleases Him, spending time with Him. What could be more important than learning what the God of the universe requires of us? We spend time with Him in His Word. You say, wow, that's basic. This is even more basic. Number two, I'm going to tell you to do something totally uncommon. Spend time with Him in daily, intentional prayer. Daily, intentional prayer. Challenge you this week, take yourself away from the screens. Take yourself away from your job. Take yourself away from your family even. Give God 30 minutes every day and pray to Him. And don't treat Him just like an ATM where you're just, I I, I want this and I want this and I want this. Ask God to reveal what He wants from you. Ask God to show Him His will for your life. Seek Him and He will show up, I can assure you. Daily, intentional prayer. Sounds so foreign, don't it? (laughs) Spend time with them daily in prayer. The next point is, we have to give generously. I'm gonna let that one sit for a second. Give generously. If If you show me where you spend your time and your money, I'll show you where your heart is. If you show me where you spend your time and your money, I'll show you where your heart is. We have to be more intentional about the resources that we have. These are our most valuable resources that God's given us, time and money. What better place could we spend them than giving to the things of God, giving to these mission offerings? There's no more pure religion than this church in in, in Jamaica, meeting under this tree in the hot blazing sun, preaching the gospel to people who have never heard it. What What could be more Christian than that? I believe that all of us could do more with our giving. And maybe, maybe we say we can't. I'm telling you this. We can't take scripture and take the things that we like and disregard the things that we don't like. He says 10%. That's what he asks. That's what we should give. We should do our best to hit that. God's work, there's nothing more important than that. So we have to make sure that we give generously. Some of us have gotten way too selfish. I mean, look at where we live. We live in good. I mean, this beautiful land, it's a nice place. The beach is over there. All of us are going to go eat somewhere after this, right? We have it. Other people don't. Like Steve said, you may never see it. You may never see the fruit of it, but one day somebody may be in heaven because you decided to get intentional about your giving. You've decided to get intentional about showing God that you're thankful. Everything's his anyways. And finally, we need to share Jesus with others. We should be talking about them on a daily basis. And we're not. We're just not. We talk about sports. We talk about football. We talk about this. We talk about politics. We talk about everything. But the statistics said 95% never win a soul for Christ. I believe that. I can believe that 100% because nobody's talking about them. They're not studying like they should be studying. So they don't know what to tell somebody. They feel uncomfortable to share Jesus with somebody else. That was among people in the church. You know, if you're thankful for something, if you know something that's truly great, won't you want to share it? Won't you want to tell somebody else about it? They say to me a lot of times, and I, I hate it when they say this to me, they say, Jimmy, you're real religious. <laughs> you're, you're a real religious guy. I just started a new job recently, and they say, hey, you can't go in there talking about what happens in South Beach. He's really religious. <laughs> And it's true, I don't want to hear it, but it's it's not because I'm really religious. It's because I met him. I've experienced him in my own life. He promised me that he would be with me. He promised he would prepare a place for me, a place where there's no more tears. He offers us hope. He's a father to the fatherless. He loves the widows. He wants to bless your life and bless it so abundantly, and I just want you to know him like I know him. If you could experience him like I could experience him, all of you would be running to the stage right now to preach up here to tell people about this Jesus. In this story, we all like to think that we're like the Samaritan that went back. When you first hear this story, I've heard the story my whole life, you know, preached on it in the past a different way, but everybody likes to think they're the Samaritan but are you really? If everyone studied how you study, prayed how you prayed, loved how you loved, and gave how you gave, what would Christianity be? Would this room be full? Would your pockets be full? Would anybody else know Jesus because of what you've done? If everybody was a Christian, you're a Christian. What would it look like in this building, in this nation, in this town, in this community, in your sphere of influence? You see, the overwhelming point that everything draws into is this one main idea. is Can people see how thankful you are to know Jesus? Does your life look like somebody who's who's happy to know Are you happy to serve when the doors are open? Are you looking for ways to serve God? I've never been in a church with more opportunities to serve. (laughs) We want you to serve here. I'm telling you, your life has to be indicative of someone who's thankful to know Jesus by the way you conduct your business and everything, by the way you raise your kids, by the way you study, by the way you talk, by the way you act, by the way that you interact with the world. Are you thankful to know Jesus? I promise you, there's no better feeling than knowing Jesus, the peace that he offers. He gives you peace. It's beyond understanding. He went to a cross and died for you, a price you can never pay for yourselves. He did that for you while you were still sinners. He loves you. He cares for you this morning. He wants to prepare a place for you to come to get out of this world. We have to stop living, loving this world so much. We have a new home somebody who loves us so much that they died for us. We should fall back at his feet and thank Jesus. We need to come back to Jesus' feet and ask him what he wants from us. Maybe you haven't been studying like you should. Maybe you haven't been praying like you should. Maybe you haven't been giving like you should or talking about him enough. But the fact that you're here today and you still have breath in your lungs, let me tell you something. You still have a chance to get it right with Jesus. Christians, We need to light that fire that we put out so long ago. We need to get back on fire like we were when we first met him. This day, 50 years later, 10 years later, 5 years later, we need to light that fire back and keep it going. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out